Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It's high noon on a Monday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours. He's Arthur Motes, the decade-long NFL vet. I'm Wesley Euler, the goofy broadcast media kid. And this... Whoa, 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 wait a minute. I knew you were going to stop me there. I wasn't going to let you get off that easy. Mr. Pond Hockey Legend. Well, you know, I just... Uh, to be fair, too. I mean, you're much more than a decade-long NFL vet, so maybe I should start switching up your, you know, your tag what? too. Listen, I'm just like an old well-known, guy. well-known, good human being, Arthur. L- listen, Motes. listen, Arthur Motes, the old guy, the dad, <laughs> <laughs> the husband, Pitmaster Motes. Yeah, that's all I am now, man. And Pitmaster Euler. Yes, sir. With you here for the next 120 minutes. So it's our little two hours. We call it the Electric Factory. You call it Steelers Blitz, or maybe the other way around. It doesn't matter, but you already it know the drill. It doesn't matter what you call it. Just tune in. <laughs> Get at us on Twitter with your questions, comments, concerns, reactions. You can find us there, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. A lot of time's been spent this offseason, Arthur Motes, in Steelerland, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on Steelers Nation Radio, radio stations across Pittsburgh, TV networks, newspapers, online publications, whatever it may be, right? On TV, spoken on radio, written uh, in columns. A lot of talk about, for lack of a better term, right? Rebound seasons for Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. Bounce back seasons, right? Bounce back. And we've discussed that, I think, again, especially kind of in the, uh, the gap, the vacuum in real sports content here. You and I, everybody else in, in Steelers land has discussed that at nauseum <laughs> over the last couple months. But you came in today with a better question for me. Um, I think it was Friday, right? Or over the weekend, yes. uh, Juju and James Conner both joined Nate Burleson uh, for some interviews on the NFL Network. Shout out to Nate Burleson, too, man. Awesome uh, guy. Killing he is. it in the media. And he, yeah, he's he's so good on TV. He's the, just the kind of – the NFL Network, what they've done with their personalities, they have a really good mix of ex-players, of yes, goofy jabronis like me. <laughs> like it's, They do a really good job. Burleson has been chief most amongst that kind of – and I like how he doesn't. Network. He's not solely just sports too. He does some yeah. stuff with uh, entertainment, television as well, man. So yeah, he's definitely doing his day, man. He's a good interviewer. He he knows how to get those guys to loosen up, you know. And he play he can play the angle of being a former athlete as well too. Uh, talked about those, you know, those rebound seasons, those bounce back seasons, if you will, uh, for James Conner, for Juju Smith Schuster, with those two guys. You came in here with a different idea. And you said, yeah, we could sit here and we could talk about that. But that's the same thing everyone's been talking about over the last few months. Who's going to bounce back? Let's maybe make the rubber meet the road here a little bit. Okay. If we can all agree that we expect both of them to have better seasons this year than they did last year, right? And Mm -hmm. maybe for those two guys, they're separate conversations, right? For Juju, yeah, he missed some time, but it was more so the production. With James, we know his production when he's going. It's just more so the availability. Mm Mm-hmm. But Arthur Motes, you came in here, you asked a very good question. Very simple, very point blank. Just right to it, you know. This upcoming NFL season, the 2020 season, who has the bigger season, Juju Smith-Schuster or James Conner? And I, Motesy, I'm going to turn it over to you, but that's just... Already, you know I like these type of questions because 
there's a lot of uh, sports. <laughs> there's a lot of sports radio we can get into here, but I think right away. I mean, that's a loaded term. Bigger season. I mean, it I, is, man. Bigger season. The bigger? better season. Well, when I think of bigger or better, the things I think of number one. Well, it's a combination. It's a combination of statistically or, or statistically, yeah. Sure. Who has the better season, but also the impact associated with that because as we said before, we've seen in the past where Juju had more receiving yards, correct, than Antonio Brown. But we knew from an impact standpoint, A B's impact was greater and felt more than a Juju. So I think it's a mix of stats. It's a mix of impact as well. And I think it's a mix of the eye test. I think mm-hmm. all three of those things kind of factor into this situation when we're talking about bigger or better seasons for the 2020 year between Juju and James Conner. Now, you, you, you alluded to the differences in terms of why their seasons last year weren't up to par. And the question marks surrounding both of them are still the same. Can they prove that they can be the feature they can be the reason why this team goes to the playoffs. They could be the reason why this offense is one of the best in the league because we haven't seen either one of them be successful without Antonio Brown being on the field, without Le'Veon Bell being on the field in terms of the earlier part of Juju's career. So when I'm looking at those two things and I'm, I'm asking myself, man, who do I think is going to have the better year between those two? I look into their position groups as well. And I say, man, I feel like, James has the clear advantage at his position in terms of being head and shoulders uh, better than everyone in that room. This is not a slight at Benny Snell. It's not a slight at Anthony McFarland. It's not a slight at Jalen Samuels. But when you're breaking those players down, comparing them to James, Benny hasn't shown that he can be the type of running back that James Conner can be. We talked about Benny's going to need to make that second-year body transformation. We don't know what it looks like just yet because OTAs hasn't been able to take place like a normal fashion. Anthony McFarland, he's undersized but can fly. But obviously he's a rookie, so you don't know what to expect from him in year one. Jalen Samuels, we feel like he's really good, but right now he's more Swiss Army knife Swiss Army knife than feature. So when you're looking at James, clear cut, he is the best in that room. He in terms of competition, the only competition that's gonna happen is if he comes out and he's not up to par. Yes. Whereas when you look at the receiving room, I mean, people are debating right now who's going to have the better season next year between Juju and Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deontay showed some things last year that really has people excited about him, thinking that he can really emerge into something special. And did so without a future Hall of Fame quarterback throwing him Absolutely, in and he also did it with Juju in and out of the lineup. So when you're looking at Deontay, you have a lot more respect for what he was able to do and what he's capable of going forward. You also look at the young guy they just drafted in uh, in Chase Claypool. He's another guy that, man, when you're looking at what he can bring to the table from an athletic ability standpoint, you have to be extremely excited about him. And I think those two guys alone, and we're not even getting to James Washington, who had a really, really (laughs) good season last year. Correct. So when you're looking at that sense – Juju has a lot more competition in his room. So it's not a foregone conclusion that Juju is going to be just the flat-out clear-cut number one like we're like we're used to seeing with the A.B. or when it was Emmanuel Sanders and when you just go in the past about all these different other guys we've seen. So I think that element of it right there makes it a little bit different for a Juju. I mean, because like I said, we all expect both of them, Juju and James, to have bounce-back seasons. But when we're talking about who who I think personally is going to have that upper hand to really do something special. Yeah. I'm leaning a lot more towards James Conner 
But like I said, this is barring any health concerns, right? Sure. And I think too, right, we've said this at this point in the calendar, you have to have these conversations assuming health. Correct. Because you'll just get completely off the rails and yes. divert into a bunch of different things if you don't. So so for me, when I look at James Conner and his situation, I think he has the upper hand because he's going to get full opportunity to be a feature. He's going to get full opportunity, especially early on, where you're going to have a guy like uh, Anthony McFarlane who hasn't had the full OTAs, who's going to have a unique training camp experience. So you have to assume that he's going to be a little more slower. of a learning curve whenever Correct. he eventually gets. And then in the when building. you're looking at Benny Snell, like I said, we haven't had a chance to see if he was able to make that body transformation, that second year jump that we saw with James Washington, that we saw with Le'Veon Bell. So if he hasn't done that. I don't expect him to be able to beat out of James Conner, who we already know. I mean, it's been documented on online that, hey, this dude, I mean, he's putting in the work. He looks the part. But now when we're looking at Juju, like I said, it's a lot more competition. He's going to be fighting a lot more for that attention mm -hmm. from Ben because Deontay's going to get open. He's going to get numerous opportunities to make plays, and he's already proven that he can make plays without anybody else really helping him out out there. So, and that's why, for me, I'm leaning a lot more towards James Conner. I don't know. Man, you touched on a lot of good stuff. You noticed that our audience didn't see this. I had to, I, I had to grab a piece of paper and a pen because <laughs> Moat's hit on so many good things there that I want to get more in-depth into that I didn't want to forget any. Listen, man, I had a great night of sleep last night. I'm fired up this morning. <laughs> I agree with you that I think I'm going to go James, but I don't know if I give it the big gap that mm -hmm. you kind of alluded to. I agree 100% with what you just touched on. I think this is the biggest X factor in this whole conversation because, like I said, there's some more things I want to get into here. But the biggest kind of overarching X factor in this just simple who has the better season, who has the bigger season is, I mean, you nailed it. James Conner is going to have the greater opportunity. Mm -hmm. Even if Juju has a great season, okay, well, what if Deontay Johnson does too? And what if Eric Ebron does too? And what if seven or eight weeks into the season, Chase Claypool takes off? I didn't even mention Vance McDonald. Correct. I didn't even mention, <laughs> I didn't even mention James Washington. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. Yes. And this is all coming off of Motsi too. I think we'd be naive if we didn't mention this. Ben Roethlisberger coming off of major elbow surgery you would like him to throw the ball a little bit less, too. Yeah, well, I mean, we would. We okay, you're right. I must say, some, some people out here are like, man, have him throwing a 40, 50 times. He's back. Yeah. We, uh, his last full healthy season, 2018, 68% of the time the Steelers threw the ball. Mm -hmm. I think you and I, at yeah, least. led the league in pass attempts. We'd like to see that number come down closer to 60. Yes. Uh, I, now, you're right. Not everybody would agree with that, but I think that plays into this, too. There's going to be more opportunity for James Conner. But then I look right when – I, when I started thinking that, I thought about last season mm -hmm. and down the stretch and with that opportunity, right? Because, again, when we have these conversations, we have to assume health. But then I think when you start to get into some of the minutia is where it's okay to bring up those concerns. Like, for example, right, you mentioned eyeball test big moments. Last year down the stretch, right, after week eight, James Conner dressed three times. Week 11, week 15, week 16. In those games, respectively, in order, he had five carries, eight carries, and six carries. Mm. The opportunity for those big moments comes in the second half of the season, right? I mean, let's just be real here. Everybody knows, right? And Mike Tomlin talks about December football. 
Yeah, are there big games in the NFL in October? Certainly, without a doubt. But those big moments come in the back half of the season when you're fighting for position in the playoffs, when you're fighting for seeding in the playoffs. That's the thing that gives me pause, is that on the surface, I agree with you that James Conner will have more opportunity because he is the guy until he gets hurt. And unless Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane light the world on fire in training camp, it's going. James Conner is going to be the feature back where Juju is going to have to share some of that opportunity. I just, when we talk about crunch time, when we talk about the second half of the season, when we talk about weeks 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, I don't know. Maybe I think that that opportunity might swing back around Mm. and it might be more uh, show, you know, uh, opportunity for Juju to be making the big plays than James Conner. That's where maybe my concern comes back to some of the availability that we've talked about. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I think you definitely make good points in that regard. And I think that is the thing that makes this argument or this discussion so unique because there's so many (laughs) ways – that we can play on this. So many, well, what about this? Well, then that turns right, into well, that. Well, and, well, then- and, and, and the same way I'm sitting here talking about James Conner and all these opportunities that we both agreed upon, we've been hearing the Steelers all offseason preach that they want to do running back by committee. They want to take James Conner's load and lighten it a little bit. So everything I'm saying in this regard of him having these opportunities, of him being the bell cop, of him getting this and this and this and this, I mean, it's a direct contradiction right. to what they're saying. And then we can take that, we can take that right and say – Okay, well, if they try and right, if they wanted to running back by committee, mm. well, are Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland and Jalen Samuels going to be good enough for them to do right? Like, right, we can, right. You're right. There's so, so, so much ways that goes we can into go this. back and forth with each of those arguments. I think we both agree we're much more confident in the Steelers' depth at wide receiver than we are at running back yes, at this point yes. as we stand here on June. What's today? The eighth. Eight, yes. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, that's still not a slight at Benny Snell or no, Anthony McFarland no. or Jalen Samuels. It's, just, it's just we know for a fact the receivers are a lot more proven. I mean, when we're comparing Deontay Johnson and James Washington to a Benny Snell, Deontay and James Washington have proven a lot more to this point than Benny Snell has. When we're talking about uh, um, when we're talking about Juju, in terms of what he's capable of, we feel a lot more confident with him. Even with Chase Claypool, we're still projecting, but it still is a higher projection of success for him than it necessarily is for Anthony McFarlane Jr. So I think that's the the, <laughs> that's the biggest point. thing when we're comparing the two and why we feel more confident in this room than another room. But I feel like that's how we could just keep going in circles with this in terms of why, for me, I'm still leaning more towards James Conner because – that lack of confidence means that he's going to get the lion's share. And sometimes just by you having more opportunities, you can make a lot more things happen. You know, almost like that quality over quantity type debate. Yes. I think I think for uh, James, he's going to have a lot more of the quantity element of it, whereas I think Juju, mm. his impact is going to be very quality related because he's not – I don't see Juju getting – you know the 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 crazy amount of targets that we would see at AB. I mean, think about this: if Jane, I mean, if Deontay Johnson held with fifty three receptions last year, and we're projecting that to go up because he's going to be playing with a, a greater quarterback, everybody can't have a hundred receptions. Everybody can't have you know a hundred, two hundred targets. That, that's it's not enough time on offense for that to happen. So how is it that Deontay's numbers are going to go up? Juju's numbers going to go up. James Washington's numbers going to go up. Oh, and Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool is still going to ball out. 
and Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald. Oh, and Ben's going to throw less. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so for me, I don't see it how. Oh, you make you make me scratch my it, head. Yeah, over here. so that's why. So, so that's why when I say from a statistical standpoint, I don't want to put all my value in that because I do think that Juju's numbers are going to be good, but I don't think they're going to look like what we saw from him in those first two years. But I think his impact is going to be felt. So that's why it's the combination of mm-hmm. those two. Whereas I think James' numbers are going to look very similar to the Pro Bowl year that he had. But I don't know if the impact is going to be the same just because of the amount of touch, the amount of opportunities he's going to get. And that's kind of why I differ in that regard. But at the end of the day, the reason why I still think James Conner is just because right now, when you're looking at a full 16-game body of work, that you, you will feel that over time. Over 16 games of the high amount of touches, the high amount of productivity, you feel that. Whereas with Juju, I don't see it being a full 16 game every game. You feeling his impact like that. I just mm. don't see it right now because of the other guys we just named. They're going to get opportunities to receive the ball. I mean, if we're sitting here praising Deontay Johnson, praising Deontay Johnson, we're sitting here praising Eric Ebron, or Eric Ebron we're praising James Washington. Chase Claypool. We're, it's how can Juju just dominate all of those guys in that regard? That's the part where I don't see that happening, and that's why I still feel that, like I said, that James Conner has the bigger impact, has the bigger season coming in 2020. A lot to debate here. Uh, we got to get to our first break. I want to continue this when we come back because there's some more that I want to get into along these lines with Motsi. The beginning of this segment, right, You and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I want to make sure I have this right that there are three factors that play into who's going to have the better season, right? Mm -hmm. Statistically, what their numbers look like at the end of the year, how they contribute to the team's success, and then you said the eyeball test, correct? Right? Those those are the three. I I, I want to – I think we've talked a little bit about the stats and the numbers and maybe some of those big moments, but I want to get into more how those – the the big moments in the eyeball test plays into the team's success as well for these two guys on the other side. Also, if you've got the answers – you let us know on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Woo, we're starting off Monday with a bang here, Motsi. That's how you got to do it, man. <laughs> Stick with us inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Juju or James Conner? Who has the better season in 2020? That is the loaded question topic du jour today with a bunch of different angles that we discussed there in the first 15, 20 minutes of the show and, and some more that we've got to get into here now. Arthur Motes, you mentioned the the eyeball test, the the big moments, right? Mm-hmm. And how team success is part of this too. And I think those things, while they're their own separate entities, certainly are also kind of intertwined. We have seen, unfortunately, for Juju over the last two seasons, him fumble in two big crucial moments in games that the Steelers ended up losing. Oh, so now you want to go do that to me on this Monday. Why why you got to start? Why you got to talk about that? Jeez. But yes. But I also think too where it's related for Juju, he's also made big plays in big moments yes. for the Steelers. 
last year was 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 tough, but the year before certainly 2018, 2000, you know when he when he came into the league, there were a lot of big moments that Juju had in a Steelers uniform as well. I that to me I think obviously the availability and what their stat line looks like at the end of the season is is going to play into this discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think particularly more so with Juju, those big moments are really going to play into how we evaluate his season in the fourth quarter, in the clutch, in the second half of the season. Does Juju make the big plays in the big moments? Because for a lot of his detractors, right, and there's 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 some of them in Pittsburgh and there's some of them certainly nationwide, I think that's the biggest thing that they point to a lot of times is, yeah, well, he hasn't done it without A.B., certainly, and in the crucial moments, he's come up short. I, I think if he can have some of those eyeball test big moments right where he he makes a big play in a primetime game thinks of the things of that nature I think as we talk about Juju in this discussion the optics of it play in for him much more than they do for James Conner I think yeah 1000 percent and we've seen this I mean this isn't anything new in terms of performing in those critical moments even though for me it always drives me nuts when we know we, we like to highlight the last two minutes of the game. Sure. It will erase everything that transpired in the game up until that point. I'm like, yo, I, I, I would never understand that thinking. But is for conversational – Is that the Sean Payton against the Rams yes, in the NFC it, Championship it, it, it game It absolutely line drives me nuts. <laughs> like, what about the three quarters prior to this? Yes. If, if the three and a half quarters, if you would have took care of business, this play does not matter. But – People like to do that. So, you know what? For Like I said, for conversational purposes, we'll Ind- go down that route. Indulge me, baby. All right. So, when we're talking about Juju in those critical moments, these are the same things that made us fall in love with A.B. The immaculate stretch on Christmas night, the, the, the different plays that he made, the highlight road catches, all in those critical – End of the game against in, the Bengals correct, two years where, where, ago. you're deciding, okay, who, who – Everything is equal right now. This play is going to be weighted a little differently. Who's going to step mm-hmm. up? And A.B. so many times made plays in those moments. Big Ben so many times made played in those plays in those moments. Le'Veon Bell so many times made plays in those moments. So when we hold Juju to that standard of what is he doing in those critical moments, that's why. Mm. And he's had some success, yes, but largely when it comes to those primetime games, when it comes to those critical playoff deciding games he hasn't been able to produce those same results and I think that's the biggest issue with him right now and regardless of what it may be from like you said we've pointed to some of the fumbles we could point to some drops and things like that either way he has to find a way to consistently perform in those moments to consistently be reliable in those moments and this goes for James Conner as well because how many games have we seen where when we saw in the past with Le'Veon Bell, you knew, okay, it's fourth quarter, six minutes left, he's going to close this game out. We saw that with Jerome Bettis as well. Yep. Six minutes left, he's closing the game Willie out. Parker. Willie Parker. Willie Parker. Hey, take a hey, defense, take your cleats off, it's over. We haven't necessarily seen James Conner do that on a consistent basis where he's proven that, man, this dude is a closer. Because we saw him even the year he made the Pro Bowl. Remember, up until that Denver game, he was playing well, but he had never really had that – man, just close out performance after performance. And then obviously after the Denver game, it kind of dwindled down in terms of his availability, in terms of his his opportunities as well. So it's still question marks surrounding him in that department. But I think those two things, those two guys performing in those clutch moments in the fourth quarter, performing in some of those one-score game-deciding drives, 
stepping up and being impactful, that would definitely go a long way. And like you said, for Juju, man, that, that could definitely make him a ton of money as well because when A.B. didn't leave, the, when, when, when Juju had more receiving yards than A.B., I think it was in 2018. Yeah, when he won team MVP. Yeah, when he won team MVP. From a league standpoint, everybody still felt A.B.'s impact more because you knew in those crunch time moments, he was still going to find ways to produce. He was still going to make big catches. He was still going to be consistent. And I think that was the reason why, even though his numbers were down, he still was he viewed as a moments. top guy in the league because of those big moments. Against the Buccaneers, against the Bengals. Absolutely, yeah. time and time again. So if Juju wants to take that step, if Juju wants to prove that he's worth the long-term deal, if Juju wants to prove that he can be an elite receiver, that's where it starts for him this year. Because like we already talked about, I don't think he's going to get the crazy amount of targets like how, how A.B. was getting them in, in the years before. I don't think that happens just because the room is so much more crowded now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't crowded like that in 18. Mm-mm. You knew, okay, either A.B. is getting it or Juju's getting it or they're giving it to James. It was that simple. Whereas now, uh, you, you have too many options. So he's definitely going to have to do those signature moves, those signature plays in those critical moments, man, to go ahead and make a name for himself in that department. If that fired you up, I got to get your opinion on this. Oh, man, here we go. And I want to preface this with telling you that I am not one of these people. Oh, that's kind of like when you say, with all due respect, and you disrespect me. All right, let's do it. <laughs> you see this. This is not uh, – I've seen this this offseason over the last few months with James Conner with Juju Smith-Schuster. You see people do this all the time with athletes. Motes, what I'm about to do. People mm. do it with Sidney Crosby. They do it with Chris Letang. Mm. Oh, well, look at the team's record. They're actually better when that guy's out of the lineup. <laughs> Gotta love it. You talk about, right? And <laughs> I think, love I think it. you're right. <laughs> All the minutia that we've discussed is certainly important. 12 months from now, 10 months from now, what constitutes a successful season for these two is team success. Correct. I mean, their, their, ability, to, their ability to contribute to yes. team success. I've seen these stats thrown around a lot, a lot this offseason. Last year, the Steelers were 3-7 and seven with James Conner in the lineup, 5-1 and one without him. Last year, the Steelers were 3-1 and one without Juju Smith-Schuster, 5-7 and seven without him. Arthur Motes, that's where I think people are always going to bring up. I told you, people do that with Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang. No, 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 you, we're just going to leave it with those two. I was waiting for you to hit us with it. We've been in the lineup. The Steelers are nine, six, and one. We've been off the lineup. They were eight and eight. Look at all the money you can save without Ben. I thought we was going that route. Ben's only one game better, right? <laughs> well, you know what? And that's a great point by you. Oh, man. If the Steelers go nine, six, and one with Ben, they go eight and eight without him. Well, what? All those same people who think that they do better without James Conner and Juju. All right. Well, oh, man. what? They could save some money with Ben if they're only one game better with yeah, Ben. Yeah, man. You could use that money on some other players. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great counterpoint by you. I, it drives me crazy when people do that. Penguins fans do that to Chris Letang all the time. Mm-hmm. Like the dude wasn't arguably their best player in 2016 when they won the Stanley Cup. Arthur Motes, what does for, for those two, right, to have the success within the team success scope, mm-hmm. it's I, I, the word that I'm looking for when you look at, oh, well, the Steelers were 5-1 and one last year without James Conner. You know they they played their they played their best football without James Conner in the lineup. I would say to those people, you're just looking at the scores on the stat sheet. You weren't actually watching the games. Correct. 
because that's the eyeball test. That's the impact that's felt by just watching the game, seeing when he's out there. I mean, we talked about this even with Le'Veon Bell, right? When they were like, well, look, man, James Conner, his numbers were better than Le'Veon. He replaced him, and it's like, no, he didn't. If you look at the <laughs> impact of when Le'Veon was out there, the attention he drew to things that he opened up, that's the that's the, all the part of the story. Don't just look at a box score and say, oh, this tells a story because it doesn't. It only tells a piece of it. It doesn't tell you the whole story. And you're right, man, with James and with Juju, both of those guys, when they're on the field, the Steelers' offense is drastically better. It's that simple. When they're out there, they make the offense more believable. They make the offense more threatening. As a defensive coordinator, you get nervous when you see those two guys out there together versus, oh, oh the one of them or neither of them are out there. You're kind of like, oh, all right, I ain't worried about – you know, this guy per se, you know, okay, it's Benny Snell and Kareth White this week. Ah, I'm not losing sleep all the way like I will for a James Conner right now. Yeah, which is it's, it's funny, too, because, you know, like against the Chargers when James Conner had three touchdowns in that game, right? I think two or three. Two. two. I thought it was two. He had the one. Uh, one receiving and one rushing. Yeah, the right? one on the sideline where okay. he, he's like 20 yards. That's yeah. right. That's right. No one was saying the Steelers were better without James Conner. Against the Dolphins when he went for what, like 140-some rushing yards? Mm -hmm. No one was saying that the Steelers were better without James Conner. Uh, in that same Dolphins game, where they needed all those points, by the way, to, to, to come back against those Dolphins when Juju had a you know 100 yards receiving and a touchdown, no one was saying, yeah, but I think they would have scored more points without him out there. Arthur Motes, it's funny. You and I have talked about this off-air when we do a lot of our you know, Moats and I don't talk a lot of sports off air. We talk a lot of life when we're in commercial break. A lot and, of life. And, and, and when, <laughs> when, the, when the microphones are cut off. Moats and I have said this over the last, well, really since the coronavirus started, but even more so with everything that's been going on over the past couple weeks. You can find a statistic. You can find a piece of evidence. You can find numbers, something. You can find a video clip. You mm -hmm. can find an article. You can find something to support any stance, any narrative, any opinion. Absolutely. We see it every day. Just because <laughs> just because there's one piece of information oh, that man. says this doesn't mean it's a blanket statement, right? So just because the Steelers were five and one without James Conner in the lineup last year does not mean that they were a better that they are a better team. Not at all. Without a healthy James Conner. All right, I think we solved it. <laughs> Although I don't know. You're saying James Conner has the better year and you think by you said I don't want to put word you said like a decent what was your words a decent margin or comfortably I think was maybe a what you said yeah comfortably has so because I like how you tried to change my narrative when I said a comfortable margin you was like I don't think it's gonna be a big margin I said I didn't say a big margin <laughs> a comfy margin a comfy margin meaning like hey it wasn't a three point victory it was a seven point victory <laughs> that's comfortable it's not a fourteen point victory now we're not, not saying a nine that. point victory you know we will just say like hey it was comfortable like you know hey they had us at the beginning but you know we came back on them like it was good. Uh, I'm going to go James Conner, too, but by a slight margin because I think he's going to have more of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I think Juju's going to have more of the opportunity in the big moments. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll, like I'll, I'll give James the edge, too, but not. I'll go a little little, little less wiggle room there than Arthur Moe's. Hey, I can respect that. <laughs> when we come back here on the other side, uh, speaking of another guy that we're looking for a big 2020 from, Ben Roethlisberger, Arthur Motes, the odds are out. For the NFL Comeback Player of the Year 2020. Okay. Where's Ben Roethlisberger on that list? Where's some other names on that list? How do we think that could shake out? You know we got to scratch that degenerate itch in some way. Got to. <laughs> Get those tweets in. We'll talk uh, 2020 Comeback Player of the Year odds on the other side as we wrap up the first hour. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Steelers Blitz.
on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 2020 NFL Comeback Player of the Year odds have been released, Arthur Motes, because Vegas is back up moving and shaking now. Oh, that means I'm back up moving and shaking. Let's (laughs) get it. I just want you to know, uh, not this Friday, but next Friday on the show, I'm gonna be. The show? I'm gonna be in some type of way, okay. because Arthur Motes next Wednesday, right? So a week from this Wednesday, the English Premier League comes back. England's top flight soccer league. Okay. Returns in what nine nine days here, ten days here. Next Wednesday, so next Friday, Arthur Motes is the first Manchester United game since March. Mm-hmm. Next Friday, Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. Manchester United plays at two thirty. Mm-hmm. Now I know you can do the math on this, but for those at home, okay. real quick. Our show ends at 2 o'clock. Uh-huh. It takes me about a half an hour to get home from our okay. studios. Manchester United plays at 2.30. I'm going to be doing some hustling out of here. Dilemma, dilemma. I might even add an extra minute of commercials to that last break so ah. we can get me out of here a whole 60 seconds early. Hey, man, every second counts. Remember that. <laughs> but Arthur Motes, the odds are out for the NFL's 2020 Comeback Player of the Year. Number one on the list, Benjamin Roethlisberger. That my quarterback. Yeah, Big Ben is number one on the list, plus 250. So to put that in layman's terms for the non-DGens out there, uh, if you bet $10 on Ben to win Comeback Player of the Year, you would win $25. So you would bet $10 to get 35 back, if that makes sense. Plus 250, that's the easiest way to think of that. $100 bet, you win $250. $10 bet, you win $25. So if you made a $10 bet on Big Ben, to win comeback player of the year, and he does, you would get $35 back. So you would earn. Look at you educating all the non DJs. <laughs> you out would there. earn. 20, I feel like when we do this kind of stuff, such we a have good to. Guy. You know, because I, for a long time in my life, I was a sports guy and all this and that, and I didn't really completely understand odds. If you told me like four to one odds, I mm-hmm. get that. Yeah, you bet a dollar. Okay, four to one. That makes sense. But when it was like plus 250, mm-hmm. plus 700, minus 325, yeah. what does that mean? Just kind of think it in terms of $10, hey, 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 $100. But listen, up, but listen up, though. You ain't got to work that hard. You just go on the Fox Bet app, <laughs> and true. it'll tell you exactly when you put the money in with the odds. It'll tell you what your projected winners will be. Keep it simple. It's like the calculator for you. Here's a calculator. Keep it Don't, simple, stupid. Yeah, keep it simple. You yes. worry about the cash. Let the app worry about, you know what I'm saying, the odds and, and how much is what and all that good stuff. So there's some interesting cases on here to evaluate Arthur Motes. Uh, like I said, number one, Ben Roethlisberger. Number two, Rob Gronkowski. Gronk. Number three, J.J. Watt. Mm. Number four, A.J. Green. Okay. And I should say tied. Tied for fourth and fifth are A.J. Green and Nick Foles. Mm. So there's your top five. One, Ben. Two, Gronk. Three, J.J. Watt. Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles? That guy? (laughs) That guy. Okay. Big Ben, one. Gronk, two. J.J. Watt, three. And then A.J. Green and Nick Foles tied for fourth. Sixth, Baker Mayfield tied with Matthew Stafford as well. So they would be six and seven. Cam Newton checking in at eighth. Those are your the top eight before you get to some of the really long odds, Arthur Motes. So before we talk about some of the other guys, because there's a name in there that's going to intrigue people too. Fair in your mind, you think that, that Big Ben should favor, you know, should be the 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 
top dog, the leader of this pack. One, he's a quarterback, obviously, so you know how that plays into Everybody it. Everybody loves quarterbacks. Everybody loves quarterbacks. Um, he's had a longer time to recover, you know, get it, sustaining that injury in September as opposed to if he would have sustained it in November or December. Um, and maybe some of the stuff that we've seen with him working out with guys and like that too is is, is playing into this hype. Big Ben, a not a, a massive, not you know vastly favored over guys like Gronk and JJ Watt and AJ Green, but you think that's that's right in your mind? Yeah, I do. Um, I think when I'm looking at some of the other guys, like for Gronk, for example, even though his year away from the game was different than Ben's per se, I still have more concerns about his health and availability when he gets back out there compared to Ben's, Sure, if that makes sense. Just because of the history of his style of play and how, I mean, this is a guy that has been injured a lot more than Ben. We saw his last few games in the National Football League. He didn't look he looked like an old man. He did. Like, he looked and beat up. A year off isn't necessarily – I mean, you might get healthier, but you, you're not getting younger. Correct. <laughs> and then when we look at J.J. Watt, he falls in a similar boat to the Gronk situation where the past couple of years, he's – I mean, when he's healthy, yes, he's dominant, but we see the trend with him as well. A.J. Green, I, I mean, his situation in Cincinnati, I don't think it's really going to – Help him enough. Yeah, they're not going to be airing the ball out like right. that. And you're going to have to be so winning to winning. Get that. You, you've got a lot of weapons on that offense that yeah. you're going to distribute the ball around. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not worried about Nick Foles. I would love for Baker to get it for the history element of it. To be, I think maybe the the only no. number one overall quarterback Did within two years. Yeah. To, yeah, man, I think that would be Let's, that would be such a Baker accomplishment. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> You're right. It would fit in line with his Shout career. out to Ryan Tannehill for this, man. Yeah. If it wasn't for Tannehill, we wouldn't even be talking about guys having bum seasons and they come back and get come back play of the year. at least Tannehill was, what, seven, eight years into the league? Yeah. Still a first-rounder, though. And didn't start the year as the starting quarterback. Correct. Baker Mayfield's entering his third season. He's going to be the starter from the get-go. He was the first overall pick two years ago. I'm like, dude. That guy could be comeback player of the year. Comeback from what? His terrible progressive like, like commercials said, and talking too I, much? I would just love for him to get that award just so we could just show how much of a Browns-type, Baker Mayfield-type award this would be. Like, you sucked that bad after being the number one overall pick that it took you three seasons to win comeback player of the year. You were still under your rookie deal. Not even a fifth-year option. Right. You're still on your rookie like, deal as the number one overall pick. With, with the and, whole year and, left on the contract. you're going to win comeback player of the year? Man, get out of here. <laughs> because if you're looking at it this way, Baker Mayfield's a smart bet. Yeah. If all he has to do is have a good season that's and he can it. win comeback player of the year, that's, that's, a, that's a smart bet. Absolutely, man. Like, Matthew Stafford is a, is a proper comeback candidate of the year candidate. I, I would Cam feel better Newton. about Cam Newton if I knew which team he was going to. Now, see, though, I'm going to – I agree with you on that. That's what I thought at first. But let me play devil's advocate here. Okay, let me let me play the other side of let's Cam Newton here. Mm-hmm. What if Cam Newton just continues to kind of wait, right? Mm-hmm. We get into training camps. We get into the preseason. Mm-hmm. There's a team that has their quarterback injured, and Cam Newton can slide in and start for that team. Okay. Or – Maybe even it's a Tannehill-type situation okay. where Cam Newton gets signed by a team, but he takes over halfway through the season. Okay. If Cam Newton, let's say Mochi starts nine games this season. That's more than enough from my, from my perspective. And goes seven and two, uh-huh. I think he could have a really good shot of winning comeback player Absolutely. Of the year. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think Cam Newton's See, a decent See, you said devil's advocate. Too. I'm thinking you about to try to, like, contradict what I was about to say. I was agreeing with you on that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I would love to. I just wish I knew because like, it's a difference if he's going to – 
a Jacksonville or a uh, New England or a team where you know he's going to get a legit opportunity to be the starter. If he's doing the the Jameis and he's going to, you know, back up a yeah, or everybody says Pittsburgh. If he was coming here, like his odds, I don't I don't like that because he's not going to get the opportunities. What about the Indianapolis Colts? We talk a lot about how they have a really you know, nice funny, roster. Funny they just is need this? the quarterback play. Funny thing is this. Initially, you say no because Philip Rivers, but I say yes because of Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. Because you know what he looked like last year, and it's safe to say he's on a decline, and they're going to be a team that's wanting to do whatever it takes to win. So midway through a couple of games, he's not mm-hmm. looking good. They're a lot more inclined to make that switch. And they've got a roster that, that you know a quarterback could come in there and have yes. success. So, I mean, for that situation, absolutely. But I, I just need to – before I would take the money and put it on that Cam Newton odds, because he's definitely my favorite out of these. Yeah. Bef- Even more so than Stafford? From a betting standpoint, yeah. yes. Okay. Because I just don't think the Lions are they, – the Lions they're not going to win noise. enough I mean, games. They're, they're You're in, right. They're to win the these awards, you've got to win games. Yeah, they're in the wrong division. If, if Stafford was in any other division, it would be different. Then what about a Nick Foles in that regard? What I if, the, ba- same, what if think, the Bears can go 10-6? and six? See, this is my thing. I think it's the same situation because right now the Bears – identity is solely what they win because of defense, their defense. defense defense so regardless of if Nick Foles comes in there and they win 10 uh 10 11 games the the general I guess uh the the general thought process when you're looking at the Bears is going to be man the defense went off the defense did this so I think that hurts Nick Foles in that regard and Nick Foles has never been I mean obviously he had the one Pro Bowl season but he's never been viewed as a guy who puts the team on his shoulders and just leads. A top five leads. quarterback. Right, because even when he went on that run during the playoffs and he got Super Bowl MVP, it was, okay, the defense was still balling. Yeah. But then he just went crazy in the Super Bowl. And, and they the, changed the, the NFC Championship game and Correct. the Super Bowl. He was not good against the Falcons Correct. in the division round. He was not, not good. Not at all. <laughs> so that's the difference with that. So that's why for me, if I'm putting money down, it, it doesn't make sense to put the money on Ben just because the odds right. aren't good enough. Like, right. You're not gonna. I mean, you're you want to hit money, on somebody but you're not gonna who, make yeah, money. If you're like gonna make that. a long term, we call these futures bets, right? Because this is gonna take a long seven, time. seven eight months. Absolutely, well, if you make the bet this, now. This is when the odds are the ten best. months. Nine, right, because yeah. if you're putting the money on Cam Newton right now, that can totally change. If His he gets signed, change. if he goes, to, if he signs to a team, the Colts, the Chargers, for the Chargers, example, like yeah. you'll be like, hold on now. Things look a lot different. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, him not being on the roster, you not knowing what's going to happen with them, the odds are what they are. But that's the one you put your money on right there. So those are the top. I mean, even Baker at that seven seven fifty plus seven fifty is still really good odds in this situation so because I think so too. He has everything lined up. He just has to play better. If they go ten and six. He's right. got a really good chance just of, play better. of winning it. Be yeah. competent. It's still crap. He's on that list though. I th- so those are the top eight right now. Here's the next eight too. There's sixteen guys that are listed here. I think this next guy I'm about to say is crap too. Miles Garrett. <laughs> he's not he's not coming back uh, from an injury well, 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 or coming back from cancer. Te- technically, he is coming back. He, he missed uh, a lot of time. Uh, what are we doing here? He missed a lot of time he last miss, year. He missed a third of the season. What happened anyways? Do you remember? No, I don't. We didn't talk about that very much. That was kind of undercover. Yeah, I, I just don't know what was going on with him. Why you missed so much time? Mm, I don't. It must have been an on-field incident or something. I, I don't know. I don't know who I like better in this situation. You, oh, you know My, why? Miles Garrett or Antonio Brown? You know. You know why we? Uh, you know why we don't remember what happened with Miles Garrett oh. last year? Because it just went away. Oh, I mean, he right. stopped. He stopped talking about it. It you're went right. out of the news really quick. You're right. That's why we can't remember. Uh, right on his heels now. For example, this, this, this is the one. This, this is, is a candidate, Alden Smith. Oh, you going there? 
Alden Smith is a comeback player of the year candidate, not See, Miles Garrett. But wait a minute, though. Wait a minute, because on the list I'm looking at, Antonio Brown has. Well, I was plus getting to him next. Twenty two hundred. Yep, he's <laughs> he's next on my list here. You know the thing is, AB plus twenty two hundred. That means a ten dollar bet on Antonio Brown yes. would win you two hundred and twenty dollars. Yes. You know, that's a thing, nice return right there. The thing about that situation is this. Uh-oh. Even if they bring him back to anywhere, right? Say, I mean, the two teams has been Seattle and the Ravens where he's linked to. Either one of those teams it would be great situations for him. The problem is we don't know how much time he's going to have to miss hmm. for the NFL's, you know, discipline policy. It's true. And, what if he gets suspended for the first three games of the season, right. four games of the season? Or what if he what if he gets to six games? Or, if, you know, I, I doubt it would be anything more than six, but you just never know. And then – it's a lot of outlier. It's a lot of wild cards associated with that. But man, him with either Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson, dude at plus twenty two hundred. Come on, baby. He's got the tenth longest yeah. odds, if you will, in that regard. That's yeah, that's good value. But the problem is, but the problem is, I, I feel a lot more confident with Cam Newton signing yes. somewhere than AB right oh, now. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So AB's tenth. Then on his heels to kind of round out the list here, Derwin James, Andy Dalton, C.J. Mosley, Deshaun Jackson, and mm. <laughs> Joe Flacco. He's elite. Oh, Jersey, that Jersey Joe Flacco. He's elite, bro. That's what they say, man. Uh, any of those, Derwin James, Andy Dalton, C.J. Mosley, Deshaun Jackson, Joe Flacco, uh, light bulb for you at all? Or are you just like, eh, Der- Derwin, Derwin James, it- maybe, but... Der- so but hard get, on defense. Listen, I would say to get comeback play of the year, it's, I don't see it happening when you look at – we know this is an offensive league, a quarterback-driven league, and when you got Big Ben, you got Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, and Cam Newton, all with better odds. Even Nick Foles, like those are the guys that they are going to pr- – dude, Ryan Tannehill got comeback play of the year. Yes, and he started like eight or nine regular just, season just games. Just think about that. Put it yep. in context. They want offensive players to get the award, Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. So as much as I would love to see Derwin James get it, as much as I know, probably out of all these guys we're listing, his impact is going to be felt to the same level of yeah. a Big Ben, honestly, because yeah. of what he does for that defense. He's never going to get the recognition, and he's playing with in L.A. with the Chargers. So because loaded you're loaded se- defense, you're, you're, but you're the second L.A. team, and that too, you're not going to get the primetime slots, and because it's West Coast games, nobody watches them like that compared to the East Coast. So all those things factor into why I don't think yeah. he's going to get it. And he just doesn't rush the, rush the passer either, right? Like, would, that's why J.J. Watt's so much right, higher he, on this he, list. He would have to have six, six, seven, eight interceptions with one or two touchdowns. Yep. Like, and some forced fumbles. Like and, he, yeah. He'd have to do that type of stuff. Yeah, that that's tough. Andy Dalton, that's an interesting one for me. Hey, man, Dak said he's going – if Dak holds out, man, I um, like it. What if something happens there? And now, granted, Dak, I don't think, has missed a game due to injury yet in his NFL career. But Dak has only missed one practice really? in his NFL career. That's impressive. Yes. That's really impressive. But a, a, a $5 bet on Andy Dalton would win you close to $200 back. Yeah, you can't go with Dalton, though, man. It, it, see, this is the only thing when you're dealing with these bets. I would love to wait to know – if Dak is going to play under the franchise tag, mm-hmm. right? Because he's definitely, from his camp, have been acting a little uneasy about it as if they don't want to do that. But obviously, if he were to not play under that, then the odds drastically shift for Dalton, and then I don't get the same return on my investment. Uh, last one here for you. You know who's got crazy long odds is Bradley Chubb. He rushes the passer. 
It ain't the same though. I don't think it hits the same. I, I think you're right. And he's playing in Denver. If he was playing in New York, if he was playing in in a Philly, if he was playing in a major media market with Dallas, where they're gonna Dallas. pump him crazy, yeah. then you have a conversation. But he's playing in Denver, dude. Half of the reason why people don't even like Drew Locker or even respect him is because nobody saw him like that. Like it's that's true. just how it is right now, man. <laughs> that's true. And yeah. he's in the weird time zone. It's like, what are you? You're not full West Coast. You're only West Coast part time of the year. Like I can't, I can't keep up with this. Philip Rivers plus ten thousand. That's about right. <laughs> you mean so a ten dollar, <laughs> ten dollar bet on Philip Rivers would win you a thousand bucks? Do you think? Right. But yeah. The question is, do you think Philip is back? No, Eli Manning's listed too at plus ten thousand. Exactly. So is Josh Rosen. Oh, man. <laughs> but how could Josh Rosen be the comeback player of the year when we haven't even seen him as a player? We got That's what we need to do, Moses. We need to define the parameters of this comeback player of the year better than... than you the, you than could be injured and come back. You could just suck and come back. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first hour in the books. Let us know what you think about all these topics we've discussed in the first hour. James Conner or Juju Smith-Schuster, who has the better 2020? Who's your pick for NFL comeback player of the year this season as well? Let us know on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. On the other side here, I'm going to get Motsi a little fired up. Uh-oh. We're going to talk about analytics in football. Jeez. Here you go. You want to hear Motsi get excited? Here you go. And just stick around. Be careful what you wish for. Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? Good afternoon. And how we doing? Sensational. Well, that's good. A Steeler with you here, along with the 10-year Wiley NFL veteran, Arthur Motes. Okay, okay, okay. One hour in the books, 60 more minutes to go here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. A uh, little housekeeping announcement. Didn't say this in the first hour, Motesy. Uh, You will not be here tomorrow. Yeah, I got a field trip. But the power grid need not worry. A familiar voice and a familiar name will be sitting in. Good old Adam Crowley will join me. WU, baby. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, no Go promises. No promises. This could be two hours of Mountaineer Nation radio mm-hmm. tomorrow. But, uh, but, yeah, tomorrow on the program, uh, Motsi will be out for the day taking a little field trip. Uh, so my, I got two signatures on my permission slip, though, so I'm good. I just wanted to let everybody know that. I uh, Listen, <laughs> one of them might be forged, but you didn't hear, you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> Adam Crowley and I tomorrow noon to two. So it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll have a little uh, little change up, little line change tomorrow. Then Motsi and I will be back on Wednesday. Of course, we are still rocking every day, noon to two here. Well, Monday through Friday, I should say, on SNR. We're doing that until Motsi, until we get. Until the cows come home. Yeah. Until we figure out what's going on with if there's going to be any off-season programs, what training camp, when it's going to start, and what that's going to look like. Until we figure any of that out. Or what all of you guys could do that's in the power grid is just keep tweeting and emailing Still Nation Radio and telling them, that, hey, we want this up here forever, that's five true. days a week, because these guys are awesome. You could go that route. Not saying that I recommend you doing that, but I'm just saying, you know, if you really love this. 
Noon to 2. We're rocking now every day, Monday to Friday, noon to 2, until they tell us otherwise. We also, the shows are podcasts that I always like to make sure I mention this a couple times a week. If you miss parts of the show, if you, what could you do? try and catch us in the loop, but you just would like to have the show on demand, commercial oh, free at your serious? fingertips. What, what, what should you do? What do you do? Search Steelers Blitz uh-huh. wherever you get your podcasts. That's Blitz with a Z. Like a zebra. Like a, like a, like a Zoltan. Or like a zucchini? Or like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Or like huh. the mask of Zorro? I do like a Z and a Zorro. Like Steelers that. Blitz with a Z. That's, That's cool. where you can find us, where you get your podcast. You like can get a, everything on demand. Yeah. Z. Z. Z, like zinc. Like the end of the alphabet. Oh. Like the 26. There's 26 letters in the alphabet, hey, right? man, don't give me the line up here. Hold on real quick. Wait. It does sound like 26. There's 26 letters in the alphabet? That's not, just go with it. We're under, as long as we got the mic, they'll believe us. Just say it with confidence. <laughs> you know, it's 26 letters in the alphabet. I learned that back in 83. Just go with it. Uh, we're going to go with it here. Arthur Motes, I want to ask you about... <laughs> You're making me nervous. Analytics in the National Football uh, League. The... Term analytics is a loaded one, right? We talk about this with other things. There's a lot of different ways that you can go with analytics. But analytics in sports is a <laughs> hot-button issue, certainly. I think it started in baseball, you know, 15 years ago with yep. Billy Bean and the whole Moneyball thing. Um, and then there's people that argue it's just another tool, right? There's some people that analytics is the end-all, be-all. Yep. There's some people that completely hate analytics. And then there's people like me who kind of sit in the middle that it's just, it's another tool that you can use to paint a better picture or not even a better picture, just maybe a more complete picture of player production, player value. Just me looking at this list right now, man, I'm already having some issues. I'm just throwing it out there right now. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like, a, it's like a, a analytics to me, most as I'd put it, it could be like, a, it's like, like glasses, you know? I can still read. I can still see the picture without glasses. But sometimes with glasses, the picture gets a little bit more clear. But sometimes you don't need glasses. But sometimes, that's right. Sometimes you don't sometimes need glasses. Sometimes you don't need glasses at all. It works both ways. So, Arthur Motes, before we get into here, uh, the NFL Network put out their list of the NFL's all-analytic team. I want to know, as a decade-long NFL veteran, your thoughts on next-gen stats and these things that have been becoming more and more prevalent in the National Football League. Hated it. <laughs> No, man, the reason I, I'm, I've never been a big fan of analytics is because, for me, from an analytical standpoint, I shouldn't have been in the NFL, nor should I have played as long as I did. And there were numerous times where certain organizations lived and died by the analytical curse. Yes. They felt that the people on their roster, regardless of productivity, regardless of skill level, if they – check the box in terms of the height element, the weight element, the speed element, how big is his hands, how long are his arms. They felt that if that was all checked off, that that player should be on the field over a guy that hmm. may not check those boxes. But when you look at his productivity compared to that said player, it wasn't even close. So that's why for me, I've never been the biggest fan of analytics and We've seen it in numerous sports. Like you said, with baseball, I look at basketball and everybody's pointing to the Warriors. Oh, from an analytical standpoint, it's better to shoot threes than it is for long twos. 
I'm like, no, it's better because you got Steph, Clay, and KD out there, and they can shoot the lights Three out. Three of the top ten like, shooters in in league history. I'm like, yeah, so when you have that, that's going to work. But you go yeah. take that to a team where they don't have those three guys. You take that to the New York Knicks. And you're not going to tell me that shooting more threes <laughs> than shooting twos is going to be better for you. I don't want to hear that. Correct. So that's always my biggest issue when it comes to analytics. And I do feel like for guys that struggle, and I don't want to say guys because that – I, I use the term guys as general. It, it includes guys and ladies and everybody in that's an inclusive comment. Sure, just sure. throwing it out there. You mean in the, the blanket term guys? Yes. But I do feel. <laughs> you people. I do feel that individuals will use the analytics to mask their inefficiencies when it comes to evaluation. For people that don't have the. And, it, and it's less about if you played or not. Because, I mean, I've been around some awesome people from a scouting standpoint, from a player development standpoint, that have never touched the field at any type of high level, highly competitive level. But they know what they are looking for. They understand how to develop. They understand how to project. And those are the guys that you don't necessarily need analytics for. You can use some of the analytics portion to help benefit what they are already fully capable of doing. But it's not their end-all, be-all. It's just another chapter in a long, long book. Right. Whereas for the individuals who like to specialize in analytics, for the individuals who like to say that analytics tell you everything, the end-all, be-all, if he isn't good analytically, then you don't want him, those are the guys that I have a large, large disdain for, to Mm. say the least. Okay? I can tell. I could tell. So that's why for me, I, I just never been a fan because I feel like if you understand how to evaluate, if you understand what you are looking at, if you understand how to develop players, if you understand how to project if a guy can be good or not, you don't have to rely 100% on analytics like a lot of people have been doing lately. Well said. So I'm looking at this list, right, of the all-analytic team. Hey, we got two Steelers on defense. Well, first here. off, it's trash up front. You you gonna put Lamar Jackson up there over Patrick Mahomes? You serious? I don't want to hear it. It's trash. <laughs> I'm sorry. What are we talking about here? What are we? T- Derrick Henry's your running back. We sir. Come on, man. Come. On. Yeah, over Z. Stop it. Stop it. It's trash. I mean, I like McCaffrey as a flex. That's cool. The receivers. Okay. Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. I, I can get with that. George Kittle at tight end. Debatable. Yeah, but certainly. But he he's in there. He's definitely right, in there. Right. I, I, I can I can understand I, if that. We're, if we're looking just at analytics, I would have thought it would have been Kelsey. I would have too. Yeah. From an analytical standpoint. Mm. But that's the part Boy, I like. puts up big numbers. Tunsil at left tackle. Quentin Nelson at guard. The other Kelsey makes it at center. Jason Kelsey. Brandon Brooks next to him. Ryan Ramchek at right tackle. Defense Aaron Donald. See, I feel like it's a lot of debatables in that offensive line as well. I'd say Quentin Nelson I'm cool with. Yes. The other one's... Debatable. Debatable. Highly debatable. Defense, Aaron Donald, not up for debate. Good. Okay. Even for a pit hater like C- me. Calais Campbell, debatable. Debatable. Zadarius Smith, he's really good, but debatable. Debatable. TJ Watt? He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. We like him. These two linebackers? Demario Davis? Demario Davis? What and are we Eric talking about here? Kendricks. And Eric's a good dude. He is a good dude. Eric's a good dude, man. Spent some time with him before. He's a good dude. I say he is a good <laughs> but, dude. But, like but, I but know. I, I'm <laughs> not putting neither one of those guys. <laughs> Above a uh, Bobby Wagner, I'm not putting above a uh, Darius Leonard, top five. Uh, uh, above a uh, 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 Leighton Vander Esch, I'm not putting them over any of those guys. What Ed, are we talking about Edmonds. here? Not a chance, not a chance. Like that's the analytics, though. 
under what universe, parallel or this one, is Demario Davis a top five linebacker? Please tell me. Please. Three, four, or four, three. It doesn't matter. Zero universes, sir. Like I said, four, three, three, four, 46, bare front, goal line defense. Does not matter. Please tell me where Demario Davis is top five linebacker. Nowhere, sir. Corners, Stephon Gilmore and Tredavis White. We're cool with that. I'm fine with those. Safeties, Minka Fitzpatrick and Jamal Adams. I'm fine with those. And then they have Tyron Matthew listed as their flex defensive back. No Derwin James. I'm no chalking up to the Derwin injury. Derwin James, I'm chalking up to the injury, chalking too. To I'm injury. with you on that. Arthur Motes and analytics. I love story. Analytics. Whoever came with the turn, I just want to. No, no, you know, you know, you know what? Because during the, the comment we're in right now, we have to uplift. So I'm going to love, <laughs> I'm going to work on loving these analytic creators. I'm going to work on listening to them and being a better person because they really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't think you understand, Wes. You know how many times I've sat in a room with a higher authority and they're telling me because of this and that and that and that. And I'm listening to this conversation. I'm like, man, you're telling me a whole bunch of nothing compared to what I'm telling you about productivity. What do the numbers say? What does this productivity say? When you turn on the tape, what does it say? What does it tell you? Mm-hmm. What does it tell you? I don't want to hear, well, you know, you're not 6'4", 260. I don't want to hear that when my productivity says what it says. I Motsi, I love analytics in baseball. You know why I love analytics mm-hmm. in baseball? Because everything's controlled. Yes. Nobody runs a different offense. Uh-huh. Nobody runs a different defense. Time out, time out. And you don't have to account for the physical element of, man, when this guy gets hit in the face, his demeanor is going to change. You don't have to worry about that in baseball. I don't have to worry about this batter coming up here. Oh, man, he got hit hard last time. He ain't going to swing the bat the same way this time. No, I'm not worried about yeah, that. Right. I don't have to worry about that. It's, it is, of the major sports, it is the most controlled. Yes. Year to year. I mean, baseball has Shoot, changed the least of all the sports. From a weather standpoint, you don't have to worry about rain. Last... You don't have to worry about snow. No, no, no. It's perfect. Because if it's bad weather, you just play, yes. play a doubleheader the next day. Yes. <laughs> There's a finite number of outs in every – you know, some NFL mm. games, uh, one team runs 70 plays. The other team yes. runs 50 plays. Yes. In, in baseball, everyone's getting 27 outs. And, yes, one team can score more runs, which leads to their batters getting more bats. Correct. But it's the same nine innings. It's the same 27 outs. It's one pitcher. It's one batter. That pitcher doesn't run a different – and I, I get there's fastballs, there's sliders, there's righties, and there's lefties. That's different than – But it's not a 3-4 th- defense or a 4-3 no, no, no. defense. A West Coast offense versus spread offense versus <laughs> yeah. pro style right. versus a two-back set versus right. a single-back set versus a five-wide set. We're not worried about all that. So that's why in baseball – I think it's done great things. In other sports, if you're using it for anything other than a secondary tool, uh, I think you're off. Hustling backwards is what we like to say. Yeah. If you want to say, hey, you know what? We've watched this guy on tape, and I think I'm seeing a lot of this. And then look at the numbers to see if it backs that up. There you go. Or we're really struggling in this department. And then look at the numbers to see if that backs that up. Mm-hmm. That That's where I think is, is the yes. best use of analytics, particularly yes. in a sport like football. We had the same conversation with hockey. You know how hard it is to evaluate analytics in hockey? There's no set line changes. Dudes are hopping over the boards. Dude. They're on the ice for 30 seconds, and then they get off the ice. Like, But people want – I think because of the success that you saw from it in baseball. It was very large in baseball. War is a legitimate, yes. fancy stat, huge, huge analytical huge. tool. Yeah. But because of that success, now all the other sports have said, you know what, we let's gotta try – got to find our version of war. And it's like, no, 
Some things are just specific for that sport. We don't need that in this sport. That's not how it works. And I, we're speaking to a very football-centric audience here. Now, granted, I know a lot of our listeners are big sports fans in general. For those who aren't, war, huh, what is it good for? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. Say it again. War is a baseball statistic that's come about in the last 15 years or so. Wins above replacement. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if you added this person to your roster, how many additional wins, wins would they give you? Yeah. Or how many wins would they take away? Because it works in a negative manner, too. So just to explain to everybody, that is what war is. It's worked really well in baseball because it's very accurate in baseball. And if you ask what is it good for in the NFL... Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Say it again, y'all. <laughs> oh, I like it. You are wall. <laughs> <laughs> Analytics. What is it good for? Just rubs me the wrong way. I can tell. And I wanted to talk about it since that was on, uh, on NFL.com today. Uh, if you want to find that all analytical team article, that's where you can go to get that. Only- I don't recommend you waste time doing it. On the other side here, <laughs> Arthur Motes, uh, Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback yeah. has put out some uh, some information about training camps and what those could look like. And as we get closer and closer to trying to figure out what the kind of the restart of the NFL season is going to look like here, we'll discuss that when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, we got about 40 minutes left, so get those tweets in now. We'll get to them to wrap up the show at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We got news, Arthur Motes. It better not include any more analytics, I tell you it that. It does not. It does not. <laughs> Don't worry. We, I backed it, off that gas it pedal. It better not include that. I took my foot off that gas pedal. Uh this uh, caming, 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 caming. See, that's what happens when you're analytical. Caming. Yeah. All that analytical stuff. You see what it's getting you right now. I'm going to get all these rocks out of my mouth. Uh, coming across the line here about three hours ago, this was reported by Albert Breer, of course, of the Monday morning quarterback. Uh, it does some work for uh, NBC Sports as well. Albert Breer. Here we go. League report that the NFL is considering the possibility of opening training camps in mid-July. With all off-season workouts canceled due to the coronavirus, that COVID-19. That Rona. No, that Rona ain't good for you. With all off-season workouts canceled due to the coronavirus, the NFL is looking to give players extra time to get acclimated before the regular season. The Joint Committee on Health and Safety is recommending that players get an early start in training to limit the risk of injury teams are allowed to report to training camp 47 days before their first regular season game but that rule could be voided this year due to circumstances so for for those who don't know what the normal timeline looks like right mozi last week in july is when nfl teams that that 47 day mark is hit Mm -hmm. and it is to you get the extra week before if you're one of the two teams that's playing in the hall of fame game so but just so how people know, like Steelers training camp for the most part, you know, I think the two, the past two years started on like July 27th last year yes. and like July 29th the year before. Yeah, it's so it's usually that last week, July, that last Wednesday, Thursday, yes. because usually the first padded practice is like that Friday or Saturday. Right, and like Tuesday is like move in day. Yes. Then you do mm-hmm. a day or two of just shells and no pads yep. and then you, you kind of get it ramped up. 
So a mid-July training camp would be like two weeks earlier ahead of oh, time. Oh, it. would be a little bit, <laughs> little bit hotter out there. And I think, right, the big thing in this is the whole the limiting of the risk of injury, which is something that you yes. have talked about and you have great experience with, right, that when you don't have time to get your body ready, you see more injuries. We see this in every sport, not just football. When there's been lockouts, when there's been delayed seasons, there's always an uptick in injuries in those years. Arthur Motes, how important is an idea like this in your mind to, this might seem a little extreme, right, but to kind of keep the competition element, right, to, to have as many guys available to keep the product as true as possible next season with the, the least amount of injuries is this the right idea, the right call in your mind? Yeah, I love this idea. I think this is a great situation to even the playing field, especially when we're talking about multiple teams having varying degrees of their states allowing large gatherings in terms of how many people could come back to work, et cetera, and things like that. So you pushing it to the middle of July, that's going to say, you know what, if, for example, in June – Pennsylvania you're allowed to have these guys but New York still isn't well you have to would you would have to assume that by July mid-July that could potentially change so I do like that element of it I also say this initially I wasn't a fan of an expanded training camp because anytime I think training camp I think of traditional PTSD Latrobe St. Vincent uh Glendale Arizona like is miserable. Mm-hmm. You're not with your, your your personal accommodations, things like that. Sleeping in dorm rooms right. or hotels. Why or- would I want to expand that? But because this year training camp has to be held at your home facilities, well, now that's drastically different because you would have to be under the assumption that players are going to be able to stay in their various homes. And for the players that obviously don't have homes, they will provide hotels very similar to what they do during an OTA setting. So if that's the case, then I'm all for it because it's essentially going to be a more ramped up version of OTAs to start out in those first, you know, week to two weeks that will be extra from your traditional training camp start date. And then when your traditional camp start date will begin, well, now you're going to flow right into the more ramped up training camp style practices. So in that regard, I mean, I think it's a great idea. And I think the players would definitely appreciate that a lot more, especially this time, you know, with with the circumstances being what they are. I don't I don't think if the players were having to go to Lee Trobe two weeks early. They would be very open to that. No, that, that's they would different. not be thrilled about that. Yeah, that's drastically different. But when we're talking about the guys being at their home facility and potentially being able to stay at their own houses, I think now you're a lot more open to it because it's going to just still feel like business as usual in that regard. You're not going to look at it as, man, this is training camp. This is different. It's going to be more so, hey, man, this is going to feel like an OCA. Then it's going to feel like just a regular season practice where you still come on and have padded practices. And I think those are the two things that have benefit. And if we're talking about expanding training camp anyways, and you want to protect guys from injury, obviously they're going to have some injuries. Obviously they're going to be a lot more soft tissue injuries, especially early on, just because you, haven't, because you haven't been able to have the OTAs to properly get your body acclimated. You haven't been able to run through these practices just yet. But the benefit is this. At, uh, at, say, at, at um, Lake Trobe, the amenities, they're there for, in terms of facility-wise, you have the larger locker rooms, but the hot tubs, the cold tubs, they are not on the same level. Hmm. In terms of you have two massive hot tubs, uh, cold tubs, then you have smaller uh, individual hot tubs, you have uh, a water treadmill, you have the pools, you have all these other things at the facility. 
and they're all nice. And, and they're, they're all nice, top custom. of the line. They're yeah. clean. They, I mean, they 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 are the maintenance on them are, are a lot better. Whereas at uh, at St. Vincent, it's it's more temporary. Yeah. So so yeah. go 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 to your local department store and buy two buckets. I mean, like the full size, the full body buckets, or in some situations, just a big trash can. And you're going to stuff it with ice and water to make it a cold tub. And you're going to jump in there. And you're going to jump in there. <laughs> that, that's that. It's no jets. I mean, it, by the time two or three people got in there, you're like, yo, I'll wait. I'm not getting in there after you guys. Y'all especially, filthy. Especially with all that Rona. Yeah, and especially in training <laughs> camp. Like, like you, you learn a lot about guys. Like, some people you think, oh, man, you're going to shower before. They hop right in that and it's, it's Grass filthy. on their legs still. Yeah. Dirt Blood, on their elbows. everything. is filthy. <laughs> so you're like, I don't want to get in that. Whereas at least with at the, at the home facility, on the south side, you know the chemicals in there. You know the the filtration system that is already built in. It's like a pool. In it's that, special, in that yeah, it yeah. specializes in cleaning and keeping it healthy, which is why you can have Sanitary. so many people in there, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about the infections, the Mercer, and all that other stuff. Ugh. So for me, I'm even liking that so much more in that department because of that, especially when you're talking about people trying mm. to minimize the soft tissue injuries or recover from those injuries. All that is going to be key. It's some great points by you, and that we got to think too, right? With all this and it being at the facilities, and if there is a longer training camp, it's not going to like they're going to come in in mid July and start hitting in a couple. No, days, no, right? not like at it's all. going to be. It, it'll be the said, normal timeline, right? And that's why I said those first two weeks is going to be your OTA. Yes, right. They're going to treat that as a condensed version of the OTA process, getting you acclimated to number one the playbook, but number two just running around cutting, because this, like I said, it's different when you're working out doing your conditioning on cones is different when it's reactionary. It's different when you throw a helmet on. It's different when you eventually throw the shoulder pads on. It's a reason why everything is used to build up to those practices. And it's it's a reason why training camp is designed the way it is so you can build up towards a game or for a preseason game. And the reason why the preseason preseason, helps you build up to the regular (laughs) season. Like, that's why it is the way it is in that department. So I think that as a whole – this is a great idea, and I do think that the players will like it. And I think, more importantly, the coaches will like it, too, because, number one, they're going to be able to get that extra time with those players. But, number two, they know that, hey, man, we're going to be smart about this thing and take care of those guys so that way they're not coming in cold turkey right. and we have three weeks to get these guys ready for an NFL game. Like, that's crazy to think otherwise. Yeah, you can't do that hmm. because, one, the product will be bad, and, two, the – the injury yeah. report will be absolutely because it's, it's it, long, and people will say, "Well, all you gotta do is just keep working out extra hard right now." I don't care how much you work out; it's the difference. Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown—the hardest workouts I've ever seen. And it's plenty of times that during training camp, the coach still have to be smart with them because their body still needed to acclimate to football. It's a difference. And I love it when you tell the people that because, again, decade-long veterans sitting across the booth from me I, here. I'm just a old washed-up guy. You know how I am, man. Uh, and this, too, I don't know if we've ever stated this officially on the show. We talked about how, you know, the NFL put out the statement that teams had to hold training camp at their facility. Yes. We never followed that up, I, at least I don't think, from the Steelers' angle because I know there were some people that were like, well, the Steelers still try and go to Latrobe. Well, they say that they're just taking the team to Latrobe, but no media, no fans, mm-hmm. no nothing like that. Uh, Mr. Rooney putting that to bed. Uh, per a team statement, Art Rooney II said the Steelers, and I quote, look forward to returning to training camp at St. Vincent College in 2021. Mm-hmm. There we go. If you look at a calendar, 2021, that's next year. Mm-hmm. So the Steelers are 
saying, yes, we are going, we're not going to raise a stink. We're abiding by the NFL rule yeah. that training camps will be held. Hey, at you know what? I, I should cover training camp this time. If you want me to cover training camp You'll this year. You'll be down year, there on the south side I, with I, me? I'm down for this year. Ne- next year, we, we got to debate. We, we negotiate. But this year, I'm down for it this year. Okay. Now, see, I've never really, I was about to go to break here, but this could, we well, can of worms <laughs> here real quick. Shiny silver object I'm chasing. <laughs> You know, last year, with you not being at training camp, uh-huh. you actually caused me to have to get up early in the morning. What? I don't know if you know Oh, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. since you and I weren't doing our yes, usual slot. You had your show with Missy. I was doing yes. the 8 a.m. slot with Missy Matthews. Yes, I- I'm aware of that. So, Arthur Motes, if you're going to be involved, <laughs> I think that means I won't have to be up as early, be downtown as early. Listen, I- I- I'm all for it this year. <laughs> and you know how much I don't even like driving to the south side now. <laughs> Like, his different. When I was playing, I was like, all right, I, I got to get over there. I got to fight with the traffic. Like, let me do this. Yeah, now now I'm kind of like, man, I don't have to deal with that traffic, baby. I don't want to come to the south side at all, period. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see. You know, normally our training camp shows, you know, we have like eight hours of shows yeah. every day right from the, the bleachers at Latrobe. But it'll be interesting to see what that looks like this year. And I mean that genuinely. Like, when right. Arthur Motes and I tell you we're going noon to two now until someone tells us different, I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. We're just waiting. So it could be if, if there's a mid-July yeah. training camp, who knows? Maybe Motsi and I will be broadcasting from down at Mr. Rooney's backyard, UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the no south No days side. off. Though. I want a Monday, I want a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, though. I should have just said Monday through Friday. I don't know why. Well, I just uh, it'll probably, day. honestly, because they'll probably have stuff on Saturdays and Sundays, too, and then take weekdays off, so it'll probably throw our whole schedule for a Wait, loop. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Arthur most don't work weekends no more. <laughs> If Arthur Motes doesn't work weekends anymore, Wesley Euler doesn't work weekends Arthur, anymore. Arthur Motes don't work weekends no more. <laughs> nah, for the Steelers, I do it, though. For the Steelers, I do it. Just for, tra- just for training camp in the regular season, yeah, all right? Yeah. And, and then the other, what, yeah. five, six months of the year. Correct. No weekends. <laughs> Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. We've got about oh, 20 minutes to go here on the program. You know what that means. we got to get to our last break, and then we will get to your tweets on the other side. So last chance to get them in. Speak now or hold your peace till Wednesday. Whew, that's a long time. <laughs> at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show when we return inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. You're talking about him This now. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show, as always, with your tweets. We got some good ones, Motsy, so without further ado, let's jump right in here. Gregory, I like Gregory. He always asks the off-the-wall questions. Uh, like, let's go. What you got for us, just, Gregory? Gregory should just start writing the three-question Thursdays for me because <laughs> this is a perfect three-question Thursday. Who would make the best UFC matchups NFL player edition, coaches edition, and commentator edition? Mm. Cool. From a commentator standpoint, I would love Chris Collinsworth versus Tony Romo. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a guy versus the guy that tells you every play that's happening before it happens. That's solid. Oh, man, that's solid. Oh, I got to think, dude. That's... Coaches edition, players edition. Jeez. Coaches edition. Oh, no. oh, I just thought of a player Coaches edition. edition. Give me Andy Reid versus McVay. 
Ooh. Yeah, I, w- I want the size mismatch. I want I want to see, you know, the, the new school versus the old school, both of them offensive gurus and all that. Let, let, let me see how that goes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. This is clean. I like this. This is. This I want to see somebody beat up Bill Belichick. Mm. I don't know. Bill Belichick with the cutoff sleeves? He tough. He's tough. Mm. That's kind of like when you want to beat would, up that kid and he ends up beating you up. Mm, I would I think you're that right, one. and that's what I'm worried about here. I would yeah. like to see one of one of Belichick's former assistants. He's probably like a, a third degree black belt in jiu-jitsu or something. Like knowing him, like oh yeah, and he's gonna know everything that you're gonna try to do. Like because you know he has an ult- <laughs> ultimate scouting department that's gonna be like, hey, this guy likes to do leg kicks, and you know he likes a little ground and pound, but you got to go over here with this. Matt Patricia versus Bill Belichick. <laughs> Or like I don't know who are two dudes that like uh, younger guys that still take really good care of themselves like uh, like Kyle Shanahan against um, uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury Ooh. like two dudes who are still in their thirties or like okay, forty okay, years old. Okay. I yeah, like that. there's some good ones. What about uh, what about player edition? I feel like you'd have a good track on this. Oh, you know what man. the obvious answer is? It's the obvious. You know, Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. Oh, you wild. <laughs> but, you wild. No, um, you are wild. No, 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 are there no, no. Two? I, I know who I want. Who do you want? I like want two guys who hate each other notoriously. That's what I want. I'm just trying to think. I mean, who hates each other notoriously? Jeez. A, A B and Juju. Oh wow. <laughs> you are on one. Listen, Jeez. I'm just you can you might not like it. I'm you just You are on one. I'm thinking of the pay per view buys here. Okay, I mean, well go Pouncey and Garrett then. Oh the okay. rematch. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna go that route. I feel like like there's got to be like an offensive lineman and a pass rusher too that are like always going at it. Hmm. Hmm. There's some good ones. If you've got some good ones, tweet us. You know what? We'll get you Jeez. and I will both get in the car and we'll be like, oh, we forgot about. Matter of fact, get, give me this. Cameron. Give me Cameron Jordan versus Big Ben. Like uh, he's not Hall of Fame. Like Jalen Ramsey against oh, Odell ooh. Beckham Jr. No, 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 no. I, I want or Josh o- Norman. I want Josh, Josh Norman, Norman and Odell, Odell Beckham. I want like that that's one. the one I've been looking for. I want to see that. That's one. it right there. Yes, that's the answer. I want to see that one. That's a good one. Good question there, though, by Gregory. Uh, Julian asks, our thoughts on Kareth White. Will he make the team? I think if he does, it's going to be mainly in his special teams role. He's going to have to really carve out a stake there because you're already thinking about from just a money standpoint and draft capital standpoint, you have to be under the assumption that James Conner, mm-hmm. Benny Snell, mm-hmm. and Anthony McFarlane are shoe-ins to 100%. make the roster. 100%. Now, when we're talking about Jalen Samuel, I feel like – he is the fourth guy, and it's debatable in terms of if they keep four guys in that room. I think they will just because of, like I talked about, the uncertainties with James Conner in terms of how he can progress throughout a whole season from a health standpoint. Even though we're not projecting the injury on him, you still have to play the odds, and the odds have told us that prior to this, he hasn't shown that he can stay healthy for the full season. So I think they will keep four guys, but – that Jalen Samuels spot could be debatable mm-hmm. with the Kareth White if Kareth shows he could be more impactful on special teams than Jalen. D have our buddy David, the Photoshop extraordinaire, says, uh, Mozi must have an NFL Network interview tomorrow, huh? Hashtag uh, broken heart. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what's funny, David, is when Mozi and I, what, like two years, a year and a half ago, first started doing yeah. these shows together, I used to always joke that Mozi was going to leave me for the NFL Network one day. Hey, but man. if they keep writing these analytics articles, you're fine. I think I'm fine. You are fine. I can't do it. Can't do Won't it. do it. <laughs> can't work with them. Can't coach them. Uh-uh. Harry says, in regards to the question of Juju and James Conner, who has a better season 
He says neither. He thinks one of the newcomers is going to have a big year instead of Connor or Juju. Hmm. Harry's calling his shot there. That, hey, if... If we're if we're sitting here a year from now, we're talking about Oof. Chase Claypool in that respect. See, this is my problem. Like newcomer, I wonder, could you count Deontay Johnson as a newcomer as well too? Since he's just finished his rookie year, yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. I think well, that's well, what Harry this, means this too. This is my thing. I'm biased towards Juju and James because obviously they were teammates of mine. Correct, they were, they were my young dudes, so I'm still gonna lean for them and make cases for them to be successful and be their you know, be be the guys in that department. Whereas, yes, if I didn't have that biases towards them, I could easily make an argument for Deontay Johnson stepping up and taking over that room. I could easily make an argument for a Benny Snow to build on the success that he had last year or for Anthony McFarlane to come in with the speed element and change the whole outlook of that running back room. But because I'm biased, I'm riding with my guys. Huh. Michael says Tomlin versus Harbaugh. Ooh. Ooh. Give me yeah. Tomlin versus yeah. Anthony Lynn. Harbaugh wouldn't work out very hard. That uh, wouldn't work out well for Harbaugh. I don't, I don't want to see Tomlin. Anthony I want coach, Lynn. especially. They, they, you guys they both know they 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 smart. They like they stay, take care of themselves. Did you guys see Mike Tomlin? How good he looked rocking up to the Steelers facility on hey, Friday. Man, that's the cardio master. He stayed Ooh. every time I come in the facility. Man looks like, like he's, man looks like he's been doing a thousand push ups a yeah. day during this quarantine. It's bulking season. <laughs> the lit one, Rebecca. Lit lit lit. Uh, asking if we will be live at you know doing remotes at Steelers training camp or if they're allowing media in. That's another one of those things, Rebecca. We have no clue. What, like we, and I'm not just saying this on air because we've been told things and we're trying to keep like. I have no idea what July is going to look like. But we're going to keep thing. doing this show for June. I have no idea what July is going to look this, like. This is the thing, though. Anytime you're rolling with Wes, you know you got VIP access. Hey. So regardless of what the NFL may say their rules are or aren't, I'm you, could, you, you could better believe Wes going to do what Wes I got the security do. clearance. I got the badge, baby. He got the badge, and I just know people. See, it's funny. We have this funny dynamic when Moats and I rock up to the Steelers facility oh, where man. <laughs> I've, in a weird way, like in some bizarre way, I've got a higher security clearance than Moats. Like my yes. badge gets me into more places than Moats. Yes. But Moats gets the fancy parking spot and I have to park with all the other media schlubs in the back. Hey, <laughs> it let's be real about it. I, I don't even have to like. I don't have to ask. That, hey, how do I get here? I just yeah, that's you know, true. Can you just take me there, please. Just. Because see me, I gotta swipe my badge to get everywhere yeah. because I look like a goofy. You They're know. like, hey, hey, what are you doing over here, young man? Moats <laughs> looks like he can still be playing out there. Nobody's asking him any questions. <laughs> oh, Last one here from Thrash. Thrash says two things I would never trade away in the world: Motsi going on heated rants and Motsi cracking himself up with his own joke. Hey, <laughs> I like it. I'm Listen, with it, man. If you can't laugh at your own jokes, whose jokes can you laugh hey, at? Hey, you right? better believe I'm going to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> That's what I do. We got to laugh through it, right? Hey, man, you got to get comfortable and be uncomfortable. <laughs> Smile in the face of adversity. Ain't that the truth? And laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And I'm going to smile in the face of adversity tomorrow. Adversity will be named Adam Crowley tomorrow mm. on the program. The crowd man. Field trip day for Arthur Motes, so we'll still be rocking the electric factory at noon tomorrow, but it'll be Adam Crowley and I from noon to two. Motsy will be back on. All right, wait, hold on. Uh-oh. I was about to sign off with Zombie Mosh here. Uh-oh. He just nailed it. He just absolutely nailed it. Uh-oh, here we go, here we go. Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz, pay-per-view. Thank you! Oh, my. And my money's on Nick Foles. Let's go. <laughs> Zombie Mosh nailed it. My money's on nailed Nick Foles. It. Carson Wentz is probably going to be hurt on the way to the on the fight. <laughs> going to have to pull up the last second. The you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what he does. 
I'm rolling with Nick Foles because I've seen Nick in the big moments. He's going to produce. <laughs> and now the, now the tweets are rolling in. Michael says Max Unger versus Aaron Donald. Ooh. Oh, yeah, they Remember did. how couple, they got in a fight at the they end of the game a couple years? Go good, good That's because Unger Michael. hit him late, though. Unger hit him mad late. Now. Yep, good call, Michael. And then Patrick Ooh. says Akeem Tlaib versus Michael Crabtree. They, the chain snatch. Mm. Can we get a third time? Ooh. Anytime, See, if a guy takes your chain you twice. Thank you guys for pointing those listen, out. If a guy takes your chain two times, come on, baby. Fool me once, shame on, on you. You fooled me twice? Uh-uh. uh-uh. It, it was no fooling. That was a straight snatching grab. <laughs> you punked me once? Yeah. Shame on you. Like, like, you punked me twice? Listen, Akeem Tlaib, I'm sure he has children. Mike Crouch, I'm sure he has children. Or if he doesn't, he's going to have children one day. And they're going to look at that video and say, dang, dad, how you going to talk crazy to me? That grown man snatched your chain on national television right in front of you. Right in front of you. You ain't doing nothing about Michael it. Michael Crabtree will tell his kids. He'll be like, hey, son, take out the trash. And his, his kid will be like, hey, uh, why don't I call Keep to leave? Make him come over here and hey, take hey. out the trash. You, you want him to do it a third time? Like I said, not once. Because, yeah, 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 it can happen one time. You know, he, he caught me. I was, I was slipping. He caught me slipping. You're not going to snatch my chain a second time, nope. bro. That's what you're not going to do. That's the hey, hey. It, it, I, I don't even care about the value of the chain. Now it's a man to man. Now it's a respect issue. You're not gonna take my chain. Listen, the next time we see each other, you, you don't even have a game. It's not gonna be a game out here because I'm gonna shut the whole stadium down. Okay, we're gonna be under we're gonna be under a, a whole lockdown by the time I'm done with you in here. It's crazy, Daddy. You you're not tough. You you know every 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 father wants their child looking like they Superman. Hey, man, I could do it all. I'm mm-hmm. not scared of the dark. Oh, I'll step on the spider. Well, I'll go out here and do that. Daddy, you ain't like that. I seen a man punk you twice. Mm-hmm. That's Kevin twice. Hart Kevin Hart talks about that in one of his stand-ups. Yeah. Oh, Serious, all of a sudden, man. you're walking around the house. Oh, you something else. Twice. <laughs> Your kids are like, don't make me don't make me yeah. call Steve. Get Steve to come back down here. You, you saw what happened last time. You saw what happened the last time. You want it again? You want it a third time? That what you really want? Jeez. <laughs> Uh, those are some good ones. Those are some really good ones. Uh, little J and B Debo versus Suggs. Mm. That'd be a really good one. That'd be a really good one. Patrick adds two Ramsey versus Golden Tate. Jalen Ramsey versus Golden Tate. There's some, see that's what yeah. we just needed. We just needed some of you guys to get the juices going. But I yeah, like I'm still. Some of these are really. These are real. I mean, Patrick really good suggestions. Michael really good suggestions. Like little it. J. Zombie Mosh though. Foles versus Wentz. That's the winner. That's that's, that's the clean. winner. That is clean. <laughs> Foles, Wentz, Crabtree, and they going to leave. That's yeah. Those those take the icing on. The I cake. tell you what though, somebody you know get Dana White on the phone. We can put together a nice card here. You're right, man. They got that fight <laughs> island fight going island, on, man. Yeah, we make say. it happen, man. Fight island, baby. That'll do it for today's show. Moats has the day off tomorrow. He'll be back on Wednesday. Oh yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be rocking the microphones with Adam Crowley. So we'll talk to you guys then, same time, high noon, and as always on your twenty four seven home of the black and gold Steeler Nation Radio.